Hello and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the fishing community since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now the ever-popular Saltwater Podcast Series. In this podcast series, we talk to captains and guides from up and down the North Carolina coast, get them to share their insights on how to catch more fish more often. And what we're truly trying to do, I think, accomplish is to empower you, give you information, give you confidence so that you can grab family and friends and spend more time together on the water more often, as well as the more fish more often. Uh, This episode, I am joined by Ryan White of Hatteras Jack and Century Fishing Rods. So he is the owner of Hatteras Jack Tackle Shop out in Rodanthe. He is the U.S. designer and distributor for Century Fishing Rods. The topic we're going to cover today is um, summer surf fishing opportunities. Summer surf fishing opportunities. And the conversation is going to go to such places as structure, tides, lures, and bait. So we're going to try to cover a whole bunch of information in this podcast, a whole bunch of surf fishing information um, coming from Ryan out on the Outer Banks, Rodanthe to be specific. Um, And this episode... I'm joined, as I am every time, by my co-host, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. How you doing, Billy? Oh, you guys, hold the applause. Hold the applause. I'm doing good, man. How are you? Man, that was a great It's like how I, I just came and did my own applause. That is. You got me. <laughs> uh, how come awesome. Gary didn't get any applause? Whoa. Whoa, Ryan. Don't say anything yet. Nobody knows you're here. Oh, <laughs> no, you're good, dude. You're good. Um, man, doing good, Gary. Doing good. Good to be back on another episode. Really going to enjoy this, man. Love Ryan. Uh, you know, met him several times over the years and hung out with him at some tackle shows. So learned a lot already, but look forward to today. Uh, speaking of watching, listening, learning, uh, here's the best way to do that. We have all of our podcast uh, audio episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts or Google Play Music. And then also you can watch the video version on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe and share. A lot of good feedback so far, man. A lot of good feedback from our audience, and really enjoy that part of it. No, I, we're doing a good job. I agree, man. I like when it populates. I like to hear what they're saying. You know, we love to see a new subscriber come through. We like to see when a comment comes through. We we absolutely pay attention. We absolutely, you know, hear what you guys have to say, and we appreciate it. Hope you continue to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And making that possible is uh, our sponsor of this episode is Marine Warehouse Center here in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I got a quick message from them, and we'll be right back. This is Robbie at Marine Warehouse Center, and we're excited to announce that we are the exclusive North and South Carolina Sailfish dealer. Sailfish offers an offshore capable boat with tons of family-friendly features. Whether you're a hardcore offshore fisherman or you just want to island hop, Sailfish can do it all. Right, and some music got some head bobbing here. I like it. Yeah, man. Well, Ryan, our guest, you know, has often been confused with Elvis, man. He has this Elvis demeanor, so it just is likely that we would fall into a music rhythm with Ryan in the room. That's awesome, man. Uh, Well, do you have a little-known fact this week about Emmett? Um, I do. I actually don't have one written down here. Oh, I caught you on the spot. So I'm going to wing it. (laughs) And I bet you didn't know. All right, here we go. Emmett is a pilot. 
has a plane, flies that plane for business, but also flies it for sport. He has trolled and caught a fish with that plane flying up and down the coast. All right, you, you had me that he was a pilot. I was like, yeah, he's, he's a smart dude, probably so. I don't believe the trolling and caught a fish from the plane. I bet he's tried it. I bet he probably I have has. no knowledge. I have no... <laughs> Is he a pilot? Was that true? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he flies a plane. I don't know the legalities <laughs> there, so maybe we need to vet this issue before, uh, it, let's see. before it airs. I better hit the but you're button. right. He's a dynamic dude. All right. And uh, we love the guys at Marine Warehouse. Just Absolutely. got my boat back from them. They did some work for me. Um, they're big on sales and service. You know, they're big on customer service. We love the guys yeah. and happy to have them on the podcast. Absolutely, man. And speaking of getting your boat ready to go do some fishing, I got a fish pick right here. Even though we're talking about surf fishing today. <laughs> <laughs> Almost a great segue. Almost a great segue. He's kind of failed. Uh, here's Scott Hampton and his uh, twins, Easton and Emma, with a flounder they caught and released on a shrimp while fishing uh, from the Masonboro Island Surf. Good-looking flounder, but even better getting out there with their family. That looks awesome. Looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Cute kids, so. cute family. Known him for a while, and so it was great to have that photo come in. It seemed timely, you know, yeah. surf fishing talk here with Ryan. And so we'll have a surf fishing photo of the week, our podcast. I forget what we call it. Yeah, photo of the week. All right. Submit them in there. Let us know. Send them to us on Instagram. Well, before I move over to Ryan, before I bring Ryan into this, a reminder, Billy, I mean, a reminder to our listeners too, I guess, but a reminder, Billy, that at the end, after Ryan has taken us wherever Ryan is going to take <laughs> us today, I am going to be coming back to you for Billy's best takeaway. Billy's, Billy's best takeaway. Billy's best takeaway. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So Ryan White of Hatteras Jack and Century Fishing Rods, it's a pleasure to have you here in the Fisherman's Post Thorpe Creative Studio. Um, we're going to talk about summer surf fishing opportunities. Before we do this, though, before I waste any time of any of our listeners, viewers, why should we listen to a word you have to say about surf fishing? Probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all, everyone. <laughs> we'll be back next week. No, uh, so um, I grew up surf fishing. Uh, I've done a bit of freshwater. Uh, uh, so we've... I have a surf fishing team. We've won the largest surf fishing tournament in the world back to back two years in a row. Um, that was a couple of years ago. I think it was 2017, 2016, 2017, uh, which was the, the Hatteras Anglers Club fishing tournament. Um, we, uh, we've been a surf fishing tackle shop for over 30 years. So, I mean, I've grown up in the industry. My dad was a charter captain. I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, I knew it was in your DNA. I knew you had the answer. We ask in that smug style, but I knew you had surf fishing in your DNA. I mean, in your genes. So listen. Sometimes my genes smell like surf fishing. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> before we get to the primary content, we have a feature where we ask our guest two questions, two non-fishing related questions. Are you ready, Ryan White, for your two questions? <clears throat> yes. What percentage of women think that long-distance surf casting is sexy? A hundred. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You if feel good about that I, number. I feel really good about that number, man. I feel like if you put a – it's it's like uh, kind of like doing a, a handbrake slide, you know, in your, in your car. It's, it's that same thing, man. It's, uh, you know, if you're, if you're casting far, you, uh, you can be sure that the women will notice. All right. 
It's all about having a very big rod. <laughs> well, that brings me to my second question. <laughs> Funny you would say. It has been said that size matters, that size doesn't matter. In long-distance surf casting, does length really matter? Okay, so <laughs> there's always, always, always the point of diminishing return. That is more reflective than I expected from you, Ryan. So I'm going to apologize that I had low expectations <laughs> for you in that answer. There is, a, there is always a point of diminishing return. It's, there's, there is too big and there is too small. But, you know, the, the, you get big and you get big and you get big. And then the next thing you know, you're too big. And Don't I know it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not fitting through doors, you know. But what, what happens is it winds up being that uh, you actually physically don't have the strength to be able to maneuver such a large rod. Ryan, get our show out of the gutter and I, talk about some surf fishing. <laughs> I, I, Save me. Uh, I, thought I, was, I thought I was. You're talking, killing it. I thought I was talking about fishing rods, man. Summer surf fishing opportunities. Summer surf fishing. And so your backyard is Hatteras, Hatteras Island, Rodanthe. Yeah. Summer, so I know that this is going to have the angle. We have the whole North Carolina coast tuning in, maybe beyond mm -hmm. that. But this conversation is going to focus probably predominantly from your experience there, although certainly you fish up and down the coast. You can offer anything. So here we are. Summer is right here, right now. Summer surf fishing. Surf fishing, a great summer activity. Where do we go, man? What, what is some of your favorite species? Let's start there. What are some of your favorite species to target in these summer months? Yeah, in the summer months, um, particularly out of the surf, uh, we have my personal favorite is probably Spanish mackerel and bluefish this time of year just because it's, uh, it's fast-paced, um, lure fishing. Uh, I really, you know, that's, that's kind of my, been my thing here lately along with the fly fishing. So, uh, you know, just, uh, not really, I'm personally not, not doing a whole lot of bait fishing these days, unless it's in my backyard, you know, but. And will that bluefish and Spanish opportunity exist all summer long or does it yeah, slow yeah, they, and you, they pretty it makes much, more sense to go bait? They, they pretty much, uh, all summer long, they, they hang in there, you know, Spanish and bluefish. It's, uh, you know, the. They, a lot of the time they travel together. Um, if you're catching, uh, if you're, so these are some of the, the lures that we use for both Spanish mackerel and bluefish. Just a, just a kind of a little pattern here. Some of the smaller ones for when they're on smaller bait, um, larger ones for larger bait and, uh, larger ones for better distance because it's more weight helps cut the wind. Um, Spanish mackerel and bluefish are cast and retrieve, uh, early morning and late evening tend to be the best times for it. Um, the, uh, the colors, you know, of course, just like anything else, you know, they, they vary with, uh, with, um, you know, whatever they're feeding on, uh, you know, you got some colors like this that are kind of uh, glass minnow like that's, that's good when they're on spearing glass minnows. Um, ah, another good one, pink and chartreuse can't go wrong with pink and chartreuse. Uh, darker colors for early morning, late evening. You know, you got your purples. So like um, early, early morning, you know. So the Fisherman's Post Office, our studio right now, we're here talking to you in Wilmington. And not that you can't catch a Spanish mackerel from the surf in Wrightsville Beach in the southern, southeastern North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely harder to catch a Spanish mackerel from the surf. So what is it about that stretch of, that stretch of island, the Hatteras Island, that makes it, 
much easier, much more predictable to target Spanish from the surf? Well, we have deeper water, number one. Um, we have the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Gulf Stream comes in a lot close. We get a lot, lot, of, lot, of, lot better water up there, uh, a lot deeper water, more bait. Uh, down here on the southern beaches, uh, the, the beaches are really flat. So when you have a, a super shallow beach, um, a lot of the time, what we call a, a low impact beach, um, you're not going to get the, uh, the, the more, I don't want to say pelagic, but the, the further offshore fish, you're, they're not going to show up in that shallower water as much. Um, for fishing down here in, uh, in a Wrightsville beach area, things like that, I would probably recommend targeting the, uh, the inlets more for Spanish mackerel. You get your deeper water, a lot of tidal flow. Um, it's, it's definitely a much better, uh, much better area. So if I'm in Hatteras Jack, I'm picking up a couple of jigs. I'm telling you that, hey, man, I'm, I want to target bluefish in Spanish. Um, what advice do you give, man? Like if I'm heading out to the beach, am I looking for something? Can I target any part of the beach? Well, like, how the, does it start? The one thing you need to do is you need to find clear water. All right. You know, um, it, this time it... Spanish typically don't feed in, in dirty water. Blues will, but when the water's dirty, you don't get any, uh, you don't get any, they can't see. So clear water is one thing. Um, deep water coming up to the shore or a, uh, a good riptide or a good, a good spot in the bar where there's a big opening and you get a lot of water flow, you can find them in there. Um, the Spanish, I mean, we've even caught them on sand fleas before, throwing, you know, on pompano rigs. So, so as far as clean water goes, if you know how to explain to us, those that don't know how Hatteras Island works, if there's clean, if there's not clean water in Rodanthe, do I need to go on the other side of the point? Can it be just yeah. clear water just down the beach further without going on the other side of the point? It could be. Um, typically on Hatteras, the way it works is if the wind's blowing hard offshore, you're going to have dirty water and it's going to be cold. If the wind's blowing onshore, you're typically going to have clearer water and it's going to be warm. Um, this time of year, uh, it's famous for uh, the upwellings that we have. So you get a hard southwest blowing for a couple of days and it pushes the Gulf Stream and pushes all the warm water off the shore. Okay. And allows the cold ocean bottom water to come up and, you know, it'll, it'll turn everything off. And, you know, you'll be, you know, one day you'll be catching pompano and you'll be catching flounder and you'll be catching Spanish mackerel and bluefish and sea mullet. And the next day you get a hard Southwest that pushes all the warm water off water drops 10, 15 degrees turns dirty. You catch skates and dog sharks and little teeny croakers. So it's, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the way things, things go in Hatteras. Then what about you? I think one of the, the second thing you mentioned was deep water. Are any of those townships, Avon, Buxton, Frisco, Redanthe, more famous for having more deeper water closer in? So pretty much from Cape Point on up, you have, uh, you have a higher impact, uh, what you call high impact beach. So you have, the, uh, you have the deeper water coming closer to the shore. And normally you also have like a, a lot of places you'll have a, uh, an outside break also. You get down to like Frisco uh, beaches, um, uh, just south of the point. It starts to shallow up and get real flat, almost like uh, Carolina Beach down here is. You know, okay. you get down like towards Frisco Pier, Frisco Rod and Gun down in that way. Uh, you have a much flatter beach, so it's uh, you know, you're uh, you're not going to see as many 
you know, Spanish okay. and things like that. It's good pompano fishing down there a lot of times. Um, good, uh, good sea mullet and pompano. And then the last thing I think you said was you look for breaks through the outer bar, like you look through a trough or something like that. Yeah. How is how is how is Billy? Let's use Billy as an example. How is Billy going to walk out on that beach and figure out where a break in the bar is that he should target? All right. So if you're scouting, and remember we're talking Billy. So yeah. We gotta keep it so simple. what you need to do is get a tide chart. Okay. Start out with a tide chart. Find your low tide. All right. And there's normally two columns on the tide chart. You're gonna, you know, so you're gonna have two columns. It's gonna say high and low, and it's gonna have high and low again. So you have two high tides in a 24-hour cycle and two low tides in a 24-hour cycle. You want to go out during the low tides. So if it's gonna, if you look at a tide table, it's gonna say low. So you want to go out there and scout the beach. And what you're looking for is white water. Wherever you see white water, that means it's shallow. So what you're looking for is some place where there is no white water at low tide. That <laughs> indicates deep water. That's good, man. You follow that's that. That's good. Is that's that Billy, all right? That's Did Billy that, proof advice. Uh, yeah. Is, is, that, is, that, is that all right? That's Did probably that? my takeaway. Yeah. I mean, that's good. You're not allowed to I use that as that. your takeaway. <laughs> it is. It but, uh, and I got a takeaway for you guys. Instead of tie charts, there's apps for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn it. Get out of my yard, you millennials. <laughs> <laughs> you and your apps and your iPhones. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us how you really feel. <laughs> oh. So that was a great explanation of location of like how to pick out. So I'm going to set you up now for an opportunity to pitch me on a century rod, but I hope the conversation goes more than just century. If I'm planning on going out and cast and I'm casting for bluefish in Spanish, mm-hmm. What kind of rod, what kind of outfit am I looking for and why? So um, most of the time uh, when I'm selling somebody a, uh, a lure rod, I, I try to push them more towards a, a parabolic rod, typically. It's a lot easier to cast. Um, but if you're looking at a century, I would recommend something in the stealth line. Hey, hold on one second. I don't know what that means. I know you're going to ask me. I'll give you a dollar if you tell me what parabolic rod is. I have no all idea. Right, so that was me, my question. All right, let me, let me back up then. So, uh, <laughs> another so, takeaway, I don't know what parabolic means. Uh-huh. So it means it bends all the way through. So you have a fast action rod, which just bends right in the very tip. Okay. And it's stiff all the way down. You have a parabolic rod, which is bends all the way through in a, in an even uniform arc. Okay. Oh, um, so sense. it's softer. Typically it might not get you the ultimate distance, but it's going to get you easier distance. Um, so if it, it's going to get you, uh, it's going to get you easier distance. Um, it's going to cast much, uh, much more. It's going to be much more forgiving. Okay. Um, you don't have to work as hard. You don't, uh, you don't lose as many fish due to hook pulls. So especially if you're using braided line, which is real popular amongst most lure fishermen this day and age, you know, right. they go to braided line. Uh, the softer, more parabolic rod takes the shock out of the uh out of the line you know there's no stretch in the braid so when you get the uh when you get the braided line in there you run a lower drag you let the rod do the work fight the fish okay um the other thing is when you're bringing your fish in through the surf you have a lot less loss you bring in a little tip bringing the fish in instead of holding your tip high up trying to crank the fish in like this 
hold your tip parallel to the beach, hold the tip down, and hold it sideways. Okay. And what that does is the parabolic rod gives you the, the, the give to get them through the surf. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you hold your tip up high, it gives the fish an opportunity to get his head out of the water and thrash. And, uh, and a lot of the time, that's when you're, you're going to lose your fish. Okay. I mean, I follow all that. What about weight class on the rod? Weight class, uh, most of the time, you know, you're looking for something lighter. Um, you know, somewhere between a half ounce and four ounce rating, lure rating. Uh, you're going to be looking for something in, you know, like a, like a, up to a, up to a 30 pound line rating, 40 pound line rating, um, depending on the rod. Um, how heavy are these jigs that you're held up? So the jigs that I've held up are anywhere from uh, a half ounce all the way up through two and a half ounces. And you're basically trying to match the bait. You're trying to match well, the size of what's around or what goes into the thinking of. So there's a couple of different ways. If you see the bait, if you see what they're feeding on, of course you try to match it. Um, like if they're feeding on super small little rainfish, something like this white one right here. So if they're feeding on little teeny tiny bait, you choose something like this, even though it's larger, if you see, it just has a little silver stripe on there. So if they're feeding on small silver baits, you use something like this and they're going to hone in on this little silver strip right here. And this Mm. is just going to become a silhouette around this, around that little silver strip. If you're, um, if you're fishing, uh, if you're fishing, uh, dark conditions, of course you'd go to something with a, with a little darker color. That's going to throw a silhouette better. So that's the thinking. If I'm darker water, it's darker bait because it throws a silhouette better. Yeah. So fish feed on fish feed on a silhouette in low light conditions and they feed on flash in, in bright conditions, dirtier water, darker lure, uh, clear water, brighter lure. And what about these different colors? Is that so like uh, a, a lot of colors that fish apparently see red and chartreuse are always a good one. Like I said, and it still has the little silver stripe on there. So it kind of does multiple things. Uh-huh. We call this a Sherbert color. Um, but, uh, but pink is always, you know, pink seems to be a real hot color for Spanish, Spanish mackerel like that. Um, they like the chartreuse, um, if they're feeding on, you know, this would be like a, uh, anchovy, you know, something blue. Um, so if I want to have a reasonable chance for success, I would need to be able to cast how far. To like Depends. truly get a chance to get in the zone. Well, if if they're if they're in, they're in. Okay. You know, if they're if they're pushing bait up on the shore, you can cast at your ankles and catch fish. But if they're on the backside of the bar hitting, then you know, then you're going to need 110, 120, 130 yards. Okay. You know, and you know, the further you can put one out there, the better off you are. Because especially with a lure, lure fishing's not like. Not like bait fishing. You're not playing a chess game where you're waiting for. You know, I'm going to put this bait right here next to this, uh, next to the drop off on this sandbar where the white water stops, right there. So if I'm, you know, and that fish is going to come through here at this at this point in the tide. It's more like you're out there covering area, okay, or targeting. If you see fish jumping, you throw where they're jumping, mm-hmm. um, you know. But anytime when you're doing a, a numbers game like with the lure, you're covering area, okay. And then I cast it out there. What's my action on the retrieve? Uh, Spanish mackerel as fast as you can crank it. Literally you, as fast as I can crank it. You are not going to outrun a Spanish mackerel. All right. You're not going to do it. If you can get them to break, break surface every so often, like it's jumping, trying to get away from it, um, that, works, uh, that works pretty well. 
Um, you, a lot of the time you'll see the bigger Spanish hit the stuff that's actually breaking the surface. Um, we use, let me see if I got it with me. These little guys right here are awesome surface lures for Spanish mackerel. I've never seen it. It's called a squid Z. Um, I actually had, these are some of the last of them I've got right now, but um, a lure company out of New England called 24-7 makes them. And uh, they, I've used these things. I've got dolphin on them, I've got. But uh, these guys right here are a killer Spanish mackerel lure. And anything like this, um, there's another company. So is that basically a top, that's not a top water. Yeah, is it going to float? No, it does not float. You have to keep it there with speed. Okay. There's a, there's a couple of different companies that make things that are similar to this. They make Albi rockets, which are little wooden, back-weighted wooden plugs. They fly great, but they, the, even the Albi rockets, they typically sink. you got to keep them up there, but you see it's got a nice profile for staying on top. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, you get something scooting across the top of the water. Um, it's for, for Spanish mackerel, for sure. It it's definitely, definitely makes a, you know, tasty meal. If I'm reeling as fast as I can, targeting Spanish mackerel, am I taking myself out of the bluefish game because of speed? Not necessarily, but kind of. Typically, when you're fishing for Spanish mackerel and you're not cranking fast enough, you're catching bluefish. Okay. If, you, if you're doing a slower retrieve, that's when you hit the bluefish. If you see everybody else around you catching Spanish mackerel and you're catching bluefish, then you need to pick up your, your <laughs> speed a little bit. And then typically, summer months, if I'm fishing the Hatteras Beach Strand... What is, what's the size I'm finding of my Spanish and my bluefish? Uh, Typical. Oh, a couple pounds. Okay. You know, 12, 14, 16, 18 inches. You know, you get some nice ones sometimes, some 24, 26 inch, you know. But, you know, a really, really big Spanish is like six, eight pounds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's possible from the surf? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All summer long? Yep. Yep. Clear water, early morning, late evening. And why is it that they like the early morning, late evening? Is that just the uh, clear just water? Feed, just feeding. It's, you know, that's, that's when a, a lot of fish feed is in early morning and late evening. Tide dusk matter? And, dusk and dawn. Uh, tide, if you can get it to coincide with a high tide or an incoming tide, it's typically better. But play the time of day more than you play the tide. Yeah, well, you want, you want some water in there. If it's, if it's completely shallow and there's no water, I mean, there's no point in fishing there. All right. But, you know, there needs to be enough water to sustain the fish, and uh, there needs to, you know, there needs to be bait. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition. Well, first I'll ask. Last thoughts on Spanish bluefish lure casting in the summertime. Anything that should be said that I haven't set you up to say? Um, you got to be there to get them. Got to be there to gotta get them. Got to be there to get them. There. All right. So now I'm going to push you to talk about some bait fishing because I know yeah. we have a lot of surf anglers out there that yeah. love the convenience of bait fishing, yeah, the laziness yeah. of bait fishing, the productivity of bait fishing. Yeah. So now talk to me about bait fishing options, summertime, so, Rodanthe, Hatteras Beach. All right. So this time of year, we've had a, you know, this, this time of year kicks off our summertime, man. We've, uh, we get cobia from the beach starting, you know, early June. Uh, so it really depends on what you want to target. We get cobia from the beach. Um, we've seen a few tarpon off of the piers. So if they're, if you can catch them from the piers, you can catch them from the beach too. All right. Um, there and you know tarpon aren't a super regularity but they are you know they're caught every I mean, so often yeah i don't want you um, 
tempting my audience with unicorns. Now. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Don't you want to see a unicorn? I do want to see know, a unicorn. Right? Right? <laughs> Got to be there to get them. Got to be there to get the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, uh, we still have red drum. Uh, you know, there's puppy drum and some, uh, some big drum also. Um, we, have, uh, we have pompano. The sea mullet bite lately has been on fire. Um, the, uh, you know, of course there's also croaker and spot and flounder. So there's uh, you know, we got a, we got a, hand, a pretty good mixture of stuff. Sheephead off of the beach, black drum. They're, they're all out there this time of year. So maybe talking more about the smaller species, the sea mullet, what am I, give me the play, give me this, the tactic there, what, you know, whether it's right. rig, tide, time, like S- g- give me the one nine one one on that. All right. So, um, sea mullet fishing is uh and pompano those and croaker and spot those are going to be your your small super tasty and uh those those also coincide with bluefish and um and flounder they're all going to be kind of hanging out in that same area so you could be doing any of it all right um one of our most popular rigs that we sorry one of one of our most popular rigs we've been doing lately has been this guy and this is what we call our rattle rig. Describe. We have some people that just listen, so give me a description of it. Okay, so it is a double drop bottom rig. All right. We make this with the floats and the rattles, and we also make it what we call a naked rig, which doesn't have anything on it. There's just, just hooks, so okay. no teasers. But this one right here is we actually uh, designed it for fishing crustaceans. So shrimp, sand fleas, um, Hermit crabs, if you pull hermit crabs out of their shell, put them on here, um, clam, all that stuff. So what we've done is we, we paint these floats in-house. So you've got, a, uh, you've got an orange, white, and silver uh, fleck paint on there. Then we have the float pegged, and you have a bead between the two. So... Oh yeah, you can you hear it? Can so you hear the that? bead is the so, rattle. So the bead is the rattle, but the, the bead also in the current bounces back and forth, and you get that sound, and you also get that sound. So you're getting three actual different frequencies of rattle, <laughs> and it's supposed to mimic the clicking of a crustacean, like okay. the, what the, the sound the shell makes. Uh, we've had extremely good luck with these, man. We can't keep them on the shelf in the shop. What's the strategy with the three different colors? Um, so the orange, uh, just like these guys, chartreuse pink, uh, the, this one's orange, but we did the orange on these guys. We make a color just like that one too. But the orange on these is to mimic a, like a sand flea egg pouch. Okay. A lot of the time the, the fish target the, the, the sand fleas with the orange egg pouches, more food, but more bang for the buck, man. It's like getting a supersize. Right. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want a supersized sand flea? <laughs> right. I do. I want a supersized sand flea. With a side of eggs. <laughs> so, uh, but, and here's a, so this, this works really well with sand fleas. Works really well with shrimp, clams, uh, hermit crabs, like I said. Thing to hooking sand fleas. I'm, so, all, I'm listening. All right. So sand fleas, a lot of people make the mistake of taking the sand flea and hooking it through the belly and bringing the barb of the hook out the back, the hard side of the shell. All right. You want to take it and you want to put it through the shell, the hard shell, and push it out so the barb of the hook comes out underneath the little flap on their belly. If you look at the bottom of the belly of a sand flea, there's like a little 
a little flappy thing. It kind of lays there, and uh-huh. that's also where the eggs tend to get stacked. That's where they hold they hold their eggs at. So if you take the hook, put it through their back and out the belly under the eggs, that's how you hook a sand flea. Why? Because they hit them from the belly. So a lot of times people are like, man, I keep coming back and I, I get this shell. All I got is the sand flea shell. I'm like, how are you hooking it? Well, I'm like, I'm taking the I'm taking the hook and I'm putting the hook through the back of the shell. So the fish are coming by and they're scooping all the goodies out and they're leaving the hull of the shell and the shell's actually protecting mm. the barb of the hook from the fish getting it. Gotcha. Now, you know, granted, you get a big boy comes by and he just eats a whole damn thing, doesn't matter. But, you know, it's... It, that's uh, that happens a lot when they're when they're being picky, especially when the water's really clear. And when the water's really clear, you would want to go to something like this guy right here. It's it's a naked one with no no uh, no rattles or anything. A lot of the if you get the water where it's too clear, this starts to spook them. This okay. will actually spook them instead of attract them. Um, you want to fish these. Uh, you can fish them out out long if you can if you have a, the ability if you have a century rod you can reach out there and hit that outer bar. Um, but uh, if you can't hit the outside bar, what you want to do is you want to search the shoreline for spots where the waves kind of converge, like the waves will wash up on the shore and they'll all kind of converge together and they'll funnel back out in one spot. And when you see those waves funneling back out, a lot of the times they'll create a muddy plume of water underneath, you know, at the mm-hmm. at the right at the right at your feet. You know, right in the, right where the waves are churning. And that's all the further you need to cast. And a lot of the time, we will actually use a, a teardrop sinker like this or a disc sinker like this um, for fishing for pompano and sea mullet. And you just kind of pitch it, in the, pitch it on, the, on the edge of the surf and you just kind of let the surf wash it in and out. So, you know, it, it might, you might have one wave come up, puts it dry on the beach almost, and then it takes it back out and sucks it back out. But the pompano will actually come in, and they'll swim on their, on their side, and they'll swim up into the waves in, like, this deep of water and eat. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, like a lot of the times if you're scooping for sand fleas with a sand flea rake, you'll actually catch pompano. I've caught more pompano in a sand flea rake than sand fleas before. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't happen every day, but it right. happens pretty often where you catch pompano in a sand flea rake. So not a far ca- – I mean, no, we're just dropping no, it, letting no, it I sit. Mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Because then the waves are working it. Yep, and what – you know, if you're – a lot of guys leaving fish like almost like a bass-style tackle for, this, for these guys. You know, seven, six, eight-foot rod, you know, something they can just throw one or two ounces on and just plop it right in the wash and just let it wash back and forth. And they'll hold the rod – and you'll, you'll just, you know, the, the line, you'll kind of go slack, and all of a sudden it'll tighten up, and there, you know, that's your man. If I'm, if I'm feeling it and I'm trying to cast to the outer bar, am I trying to get it just before the bar, right on the bar, just past uh, the bar? It, it, it could be any one of those, right. and it's going to kind of depend on tide. The old rule of thumb is, you know, you hit the, you know, you're, uh, you, you cast to the edge of the bar where you get a current, you know, a little eddy coming around. Or if it's a long bar, you know, they might be running the inside on an incoming tide. They might be running the outside on an outgoing tide. So, you know, they would be feeding on the leeward side, if you will. Okay. So if the tide's coming in, I always like to start out, you know, on the inside of the outer bar. If the tide's going out, I like to start out on the outside of the outer bar. And so that rig, you're saying with crustaceans, I mean, you can do more, but it's specifically designed for crustacean bait fishing. the, The rattle rig, yeah, yep. And that'll also produce my black drum, red drum, flounder. We've caught Spanish mackerel on them. We've caught 
you know, I, I rig up things like this for guys to, to take out to uh, on um, on head boats and use them for trigger fish and grouper. I mean, you know, we they, they'll catch anything. But, you know, the, the target species with this that we sell this time of year is Seamalt and Pompano. We're running out of time. We could go on and on. I mean, I knew this was quite a endeavor to talk about summer surf fishing without really zeroing you in on one specific species. But I think we've done great with hitting it. How about, like... A bigger, a bigger bait, you know, a bigger fish, you know. So, a bigger fish. You got, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about one more rig is basically where I'm headed. All right. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the chunk rigs. So, these are chunk rigs. Um, these guys right here, I'll pull one of them out so you can see. And his Dollar General bags just don't hold up. <laughs> Should have bought hefty. Would have been a lot better, man. But, so this is a chunk rig. This is a snelled, uh, a snelled ADOT hook. Okay. And we have a... What is, what is that, 50 pound, uh, that's, 60 pound? That's, I think that's 100 pound right there, either 100 or 80, I'm not sure which. Okay. Um, but... Uh, and again, you, we've got listeners, that's what, about three inches, four inches? Yeah, yeah. So what it is, an ADOT circle hook with about a... The way we tie them is I have, you know, I, I do a short lead. So you put them right there. Hold it, and you get, it's essentially four fingers from okay. the J of the hook to the top of the to the to the first part of the swivel. Okay. Um, the shorter leader keeps the helicopter out when you cast. Uh, unfortunately, this one is not very forgiving when it comes to toothy critters. But this works. This is a drum rig. It works well for drum. No offense. Works well for drum. Works well for uh, cobia, tarpon. So, uh, big chunks of fish on here. So you could take a head of a mullet, you know, uh, take a chunk of a, take a chunk of bluefish, uh, a steak out of a, a steak out of a, a menhaden and, uh, you know, you just go through it once. Always make sure you scale your fish before you put them on here. Um, you know, the, the one thing you don't want to do is have a scale cause you to miss a, uh, miss a hook set. Okay. So I always like to scale the fish, and I also feel like it, uh, it helps release the oil from underneath of the skin. And the other one would be for your toothy critters. This would be for shulks. Okay. So if you, and you know, all of North Carolina, all of South Carolina, there are a lot of sharks. There are a lot of sharks. <laughs> so if you do want to catch something big, and you're not having a luck with anything else. It's you can always go play a game of shark. How long's that wire leader? Uh, that wire leader is about. Uh, I think there's. I think we're doing those at like uh, like about ten inches. Okay. And that's to you know you get a shark and he's got a much bigger head and you want to make sure that he doesn't cut you off above the leader. So a short leader like this with a shark, it's very easy to get cut off, mm-hmm. even up above the leader. So the shark stuff, you're going to want to go with a longer leader. Uh, definitely want to go with wire. Um, big chunks of fish in rip currents. So you know how they tell you to don't swim here? Yeah. Yeah. Don't swim there because of the rip current. Don't swim there because there's sharks there. Do fish there because there's sharks. But do fish there because there's sharks there. Don't swim, but do fish. Do fish. Don't swim, do fish. All right. And if you are swimming and you are in a rip current, don't wear a tuna head around your neck. (laughs) 
You know, just saying. I don't hear enough public service announcements that stress that. Yeah, I mean, really. They say swim parallel to the beach, uh, but they don't they talk about tuna heads. Don't talk about tuna heads, and don't talk about you know albacore in your pocket. They don't talk about. Um, they don't talk about you know, any of that stuff, man. I mean, I think that's uh, you know people need to be enlightened on this. You know, I'm glad you're here, Ryan. I do what I can. I do what I can. Um, we didn't mention Red Drum. Best scenario for. Locale to target them, man. Right now, um, it's just kind of tapering off. But uh, target the inlets right now. Okay. Um, there, there's still a lot of drum moving in for spawning. You know, there's a, a every everything's kind of moving from uh, from um, the ocean right now, moving back into the into the sound. Uh, and I will say, I know we're talking about surf, but do not discount the sound. The sound is phenomenal. Great shore fishing, particularly in the Pamlico this time of year. Um, Hatteras Island, uh, hard onshore wind is going to be your best time. Uh, cut mullet on the bottom, cut pinfish on the bottom. A lot of big trout this year. Um, we've we've had uh, four trout so far over 30 inches that I've that we've weighed in at the shop so far this season. Those guys wade fishing, or are they? They're uh, wade fishing most most of them. Yeah, one of them was caught in my backyard on a chunk of mullet. We were puppy drum fishing out back. You know about that? Maybe some gangster rap and some. I do gangster rap and some beers and some some mullet. <laughs> right, and yeah. some trophy trout. And some trophy trout on occasion. On occasion, <laughs> a lot of stingrays. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, all right, so we're I think we're wrapping up. As far as summer surf fishing opportunities, specifically to the Hatteras Island, Rodanthe area, I mean, I think we've covered quite a bit. I mean, I know I could have you go into more detail on any one of these subjects. And again, our intention with everyone, have you back and we'll, we'll continue this conversation. Yeah, but man. for right now, a guy who's thinking to himself, man, I love, I used to love surf fishing. Or I do love surf fishing. You know what? I am going to go out to, Hat- this is my summer. I'm going to go out to Hatteras Island. I'm going to give it a shot. What do they need to know? Of course, they're going to stop in Hatteras Jack. Their easiest path for success is? As far as just uh, stop in, uh, grab yourself some blood worms, some mullet, a couple of bottom rigs, go sit on the beach, and uh, have a couple of cold ones and catch some fish, man. Right on. So tell me a little bit more about, we're in our wrap-up, tell me a little bit more about Hatteras Jack, man, because you got a lot going on there at that so, store. Yeah, so we're building all the, um, we build all the, we build a ton of custom rods, of course. We build all the Century factory rods for the U.S. in the shop. It's just a little teeny shop. Uh, we, uh, we tie a lot of our own rigs. Um, we do rod and reel repair, modification. Um, we do casting lessons and fishing lessons, uh, time providing this time of year. You know, it is the tourist season. Um and, uh, you know, we got some great staff in there. We got some really, really good people. Um, you know, we got a, we got kind of a, a new, we got a couple of the old guys left, but we got a new crew this year. Um, we just, uh, brought in Ryan Tarman, really, uh, really, really sharp guy, man. He's, he's doing a great job. You know, he's, uh, he's been surf fishing for a few years now, about four or five years. So he's, he's got his teeth cut and we're, we're getting him, getting him tuned up, but he is, uh, he is really on it, man. Doing a really good job. Uh, we've got Wilhelmina, uh, super nice. Um, she's one of our, uh, one of our, one of our, she's a midget. So she's one of the, one of the local girls there from Uh the, from the village, but she's, she's awesome. You know, she's got a, got a really good head about her. Um, we've got, um, we've got Irvin who is uh, another tournament fisherman. He fishes all the, all the beach buggy and, uh, uh, anglers club tournament and all that stuff. So really knowledgeable and he's getting more and more into sound fishing too. Um, of course I'm there, you know, and, uh, 
you don't have to bow or anything, but you can if you want. <laughs> what a- but it's uh, but yeah, um, and we've also got, uh, of course, you know, we've got our, our rod builders that are in there, and uh, Becky's in there. Um, so she's she's really helpful. She really knows her stuff. She's incredibly good with people. Uh, we're really really fortunate to have her in there too. Speak a little bit more about Century Surf Rods. Like I know you're pushing so, fly rods, but I'm going to keep you away from fly uh, rods. Century Surf Rods. Uh, so the surf- that that rod has a pretty price tag. What do I get it for does. that price tag? So essentially, uh, Century Surf Rods, uh, all Century rods. Century builds uh, Formula One race car suspension and chassis components, and builds structural components for aerospace. So we're using the same centuries, uh, using the same uh, the same technology, the same processing, the, a lot of the same materials, including graphene and nano cilia fibers in the resins. Um, we're using uh, autoclave, which uh, ensures a, a a completely void free composite. So if you were to take this fishing rod out, yes, and strap a jet airplane motor on it, yeah, and jump, yeah, and turn it on, yeah, it would be okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm going to buy two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's just we. what we've done is we've taken it to the umpteenth degree to make sure it's the best product possible. Um, you know, the you get the best casting distance. Century currently holds all the, all the uh, world distance casting records uh, for surf casting. Um, they, uh, they're they super, uh, just super durable. I mean, the... Mm-hmm. the the graphene allows you to high stick a, a full carbon rod and it's not going to blow up in your face. Um, we're working with some new 21st century fiberglass, which is actually what this guy back here has in it. Um, that's one of our new weapon rods. All right. So, um, and the weapon rod, I mean, it's unbelievable. You catch anything from trout to tuna on it, literally. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I got guys that are fishing it uh, for trout, throwing stick baits and stuff in the surf with it. And then I got, uh, I, I was... Uh, I was pulling 30, 40 pound tuna a couple of weeks ago, vertical jigging with one of them. So, right on. So it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting little stick. Ryan, thank you for coming in. I oh, think that brings I'm, us to the conclusion of our podcast. Excellent. I appreciate you guys having me down here. It's always good to see you, Gary. Billy, also. Yeah, man. Truly, it's good to see you. Truly wonderful times. <laughs> <laughs> let's schedule him again soon. <laughs> let's do it. Let's get him back on the docket. Cool, guys. Well, I certainly appreciate you having me down, and thanks uh, thanks for everything. And if you need me, just flash the light in the sky, man. I'll be there. Okay, man. (laughs) Billy, I'm glad I don't have the assignment of the best, Billy's best takeaway, because it's actually, I think, kind of challenging to come up with one best takeaway. So my first takeaway that you said I wasn't allowed to use was the – in the white water, no white water, like deep yeah. water, whatever. So that's a good takeaway. My second takeaway is I often find myself when I'm trying to catch a Spanish from the surf, catching a bunch of bluefish. So real faster is what I've taken away. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the guys trolling so, will tell yeah. you that. You know, if you're, you're trolling too slow, if you're catching bluefish, you want to pick it up. Yeah, I hate blue. Well, I don't hate bluefish, but I'd rather catch a Spanish, right? Yes, that is yeah, the correct answer. Correct. If you're asking me to confirm, then yes, <laughs> what you just said is intelligent. I just need some affirmation here. <laughs> affirmation given. <laughs> oh, man, too much fun, guys. You guys are too funny. Um, what else we got to do here? Oh, I don't know what else we got to do. How to watch, how to listen, how to share. One more time. Uh,
You can listen on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and watch on YouTube. Make sure you like, share, share with a friend, share with the fishing bud. Oh, I don't know why I said fishing bud, but anyway, uh, share that. We really appreciate it. And then also another shout out to our sponsor. You can see their logo down the corner, Marine Warehouse Center, and just awesome group of, of people over there. So really appreciate those guys. Anything else, Gary? No, man. I'm smiling. I'm going to have a good time here. I'm you know, going to talk with Ryan more when the cameras are off and we're not recording. And, oh, I'm recording. <laughs> and go back over some old Hatteras times. Maybe the Max Gaspany story in oh, there. Man. You know, I don't know where it'll go, but I need to first confirm that the cameras and the recording are off. And, and thank you all. I mean, this is goodbye. Absolutely. Thank you all. We'll thank see you. you next time. Take care, guys.